Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everybody. There's a new slogan going around in the safety community called Safe to Fail. I love the idea behind this concept and wanted to share with you all the depth behind it. It points to reinventing our safety initiatives in a way that is more in line with current safety management thinking. There was a time in my life when we used to sell these hard hat stickers that had the word zero inside of a target. At the time, target zero was the best we knew, but we evolved. We evolved to learn that that goal of zero accidents was just unachievable. The goal of zero accidents created an unintentional fear of reporting in the workforce. It stifled communication, which stifled the information flow that helps us work to prevent accidents in the first place. We learned that measuring such things was statistically invalid. After that learning, combined with a greater understanding of human performance, behavior, and cultural influence came another question. What should that hard hat sticker say instead? It's a question I present in class often. If zero accidents is no longer the goal, if we need to revise our safety page on the website, the slogans on the posters and the stickers, what do we say instead? You know, this is new territory. It's not a cultural norm to completely ditch zero for every organization, but it does open the door for creativity. I'm excited to see what all different organizations come up with. But so far, my favorite alternative slogan is safe to fail. There are variations of this slogan, failing safely, the capacity to fail safely, but they all stem from the same concept. Our goal is to make it safe to fail. Simple words with a lot of depth behind them. I've had a few emotional outbursts over the safe-to-fail concept, and it should be expected. There's the thought, I think, and the words I say, right? People often judge what is new and different, especially when they have limited understanding of something. So two things I want to address today. The depth of what safe-to-fail means and the predictable resistance you may face if you choose to adopt the slogan. You know, when you look back at construction safety, we have been following the safe-to-fail path for a long time. The purpose of a personal fall arrest system is not to prevent the fall. It's to make it safer when you do fall. Nobody wants the worker to fall off the roof. But if they are all tied off, then it's a lot safer to fail when they fall off the roof. Nobody wants a hazardous atmosphere in a confined space. But the tripod and the rescue team are defenses put in place for when everything goes wrong. I don't want any water getting into my electrical circuit, but the GFCI is there to make it safer when it eventually happens. These measures are put in place to make it safer not if, but when things go wrong. One thing that I should address is that hierarchy of controls. It is true that PPE is the last line of defense, the least effective, and all that safety stuff we tend to talk about with things like PPE and harnesses, all of that is true. But what is also true is that the harness exists when we have a fall 
to fail in a safer way. So yes, we should consider eliminating hazards and engineering them out. But the reality is we can't eliminate everything. We can't engineer out every hazard in construction. So when we can't eliminate or engineer out the hazard or change the system, can we make it safer to fail? But there's more. The thing about accidents is that they surprise us. We rarely see them coming. Sure, some of you may have worked on jobs where the safety culture was terrible and you knew someone would eventually get hurt. But in good safety cultures, where we are trying our best with all the management commitment and support that we desire, accidents still surprise us. We never saw it coming. If we did, we would have done something about it. The sad reality is that they will continue to happen in our industry. Things will happen. Weird, crazy things that we never saw coming will happen. So in this context, can we make the consequences of those accidents less severe? Not if, but when they happen. I'll give an example of where we already do this. If you think about a suspended scaffold, we never want it to fall off the building. We have systems for installing and inspecting it properly every morning. We have outriggers with counterweights installed to support it. But we also install tieback systems, not for if, but when the outrigger supports fail. And then we tie the workers off, not for if, but when the tiebacks fail, that hold the counterweighted outrigger beams fail. We have layers of defenses for when our well-intended safety systems fail. Hopefully, we also have a good rescue plan in place for when all those failures occur. But that's the main concept. We plan for failure. We implement measures for when failure occurs. Nobody wants the failure to occur. But we accept the unpleasant truth that we will have unexpected events or accidents. And we plan for these failures to occur. So what if we didn't just do that for some things, like falls and confined space entries? What if that fail-safely concept became our organizational motto? What if it was the overall theme of our safety culture? What if it was the type of thinking in all of our pre-con meetings, our conversations, our planning, our training? What if that was the theme in all those systems to supposedly prevent accidents. Instead of always focusing on prevention, how do we make it safer when things go wrong? Now, it's important to note that both are true here. Focusing on prevention is a good thing, and we definitely don't need to stop doing that. Preventing the cave-in with shoring, preventing the electrocution through de-energizing, those are good things that we should continue to think about talk about, and do. But we also need to balance ourselves with the when things go wrong style of thinking. When we jump the tower crane, what is our plan for when it goes wrong? When we do the critical crane pick, what is our plan for when it all goes wrong? This brings up another safety buzzword being used in human performance circles, resiliency. Here's a couple academic definitions for you. 
The first one that comes up on Google for me is resilience is the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. Here's one more in the safety context. This one comes from the Australian Nuclear Safety Agency. Resilience is the ability to bounce back. In safety terms, resilience is the ability of a system to adjust so that it can sustain normal functioning in the face of changes and disturbances. This concept of resiliency and safety performance is good not just for saving lives, but also for ensuring profit, which is something we safety people should be in line with. Profit and production matter. We need to keep the doors open so we have the good budgets we need for all our safety initiatives. Management, no matter how caring about safety, is rightly concerned with profit. We have a lot of workers to feed. Speaking the language of management is imperative for safety professionals when we want to accomplish our goals. Resiliency is in line with this. This goal of recovering quickly, of bouncing back after an incident occurs, is a good thing. How much time and money are wasted after the event? Not if, but when jumping the tower crane goes wrong, how quickly can we bounce back to normal operations? Making it safer to fail lessens the wasted time and money spent after the failure. I do wish we had the perfect utopia where we could prevent all accidents, but we just can't. How we perform work is always changing. The technology, the skill of the workforce, the type of project, all those things are and will always be in flux. But the more we think and focus on how to minimize the consequences of events when they occur and what our plan is for bouncing back quickly when they occur, the better our profit margins and safety systems will be. So like all these concepts, there's the emotional element that also needs to be addressed. Remember, it's the emotional element that can be the hardest to overcome in any culture change initiative. And there's definitely an emotional element with failing safely. Although some people I encounter immediately buy into this concept of safe to fail, I've also experienced others who flat out freaked out. There's nothing wrong with them, and in all cases, they were good, genuinely caring people that truly wanted to do a great job with safety management. Resistance to change should just always be expected in the way our brains work. The word fail can definitely be a trigger word for some people, especially when they don't understand the depth behind what you are trying to communicate. So many people in our industry are so deeply ingrained in the zero accident, low EMR type of thinking that presenting an alternate view can sound like insanity on the surface level. Still today, many organizations are judged based on their EMR or their incident rate. They look at it, they study it, they talk about it in many different settings. And this constant immersion into injury rates influences people to focus most on never having an accident. When you walk in the door and start talking about what to do when the next incident occurs, you could come across like a total weirdo. So expect resistance. 
And if we want to combine these concepts, how are you going to bounce back? Not if, but when that resistance occurs. One time I was sharing the concept of failing safely, and an insurance rep was deeply concerned with the liability of using this term. There was initial fear of some imagined future court case where after an injury, using this slogan could be used to point that culpability finger at the organization. Is there any historical evidence where using the slogan failing safely ended up being the very thing that led to a company being liable for an incident? I have no evidence of this, but at the same time, I understand I understand how our limbic threat-assessing brain functions. We judge most harshly, usually through threat perception, what we know the least about. In another instance, a safety professional was concerned that their clients would no longer hire them if they used such a slogan. Again, I have no historical data to back up the legitimacy of this fear, but I do understand why people can initially think this way. In both cases, these individuals came around after understanding the depth of the concept. One even said, now that you have explained it, I don't see it as a liability problem. So that brings up an important point. Slogans are cool and all, but the first step before printing a bunch of hard hat stickers is some good education on the concept. If we just throw this new slogan out there without the deeper education on what it means, we won't just experience resistance to it. We'll have a lot of people in our workforce that think we are downright nuts. Safety people aren't the only ones deeply immersed in injury rates and target zero. Managers, supervisors, and workers are too. So like all things, culture change initiatives start at the top. We need the messengers of what the slogan means to be able to communicate the depth of this new way of thinking. Education of the C-suite, middle management, frontline supervisors, all of that needs to happen first. We need all of those people, not just able to understand the concept, but to be able to communicate it to the workers below them when the expected resistance and judgment occurs, because it will occur. Not everyone will get it right away, but the more people we have that do get it, the more we can influence our organization to think and act differently. So focusing on prevention is a wonderful thing that we should never stop doing, but we should also balance that thinking with failing safely when events occur, because they will occur. Planning for things to go wrong and planning for bouncing back to normal operations after the event will lessen the negative effects on our organization and lessen the severity of injuries when they occur. I hope you all have a wonderful, resilient week. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.